On June 7, 2019, 911 dispatchers received a distress call from Alex Murdoch. His wife Maggie and his son Paul had just been shot on the family's farm and there was no sign of the killer anywhere near. News spread quickly about the event as the Murdaws are a well-known family of litigators from South Carolina with influence all over the town. Having been involved, although never convicted, in multiple homicide investigations throughout the years, the list of suspects grew quickly, but to this day, investigators have not been able to narrow down the killer. Were these murders a random occurrence, or was the Burnout family specifically targeted as retribution? Betches Media presents Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Questions we will attempt to answer. Yes. (laughs) Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. You know us as your partners in wine, crime, and time. And sure do. We're we're with you for the next hour with this uh with this case. I have to say, I think I have a super secret serial killer trait. I have fallen in love with the non-flavored LaCroix. Oh wow. I mean, that's just club soda. It is. And it's so good. And now I'm like, I just want to buy 900 of them. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that is a bit of a serial killer trait, because I just feel like you could buy the like 89 cent bottle from whatever grocery store generic brand and, and have the same effect. That's true. I mean, LaCroix isn't my favorite seltzer. I love Halls, uh, which is, I think, a, I don't know if it's New York uh, area local, one. but I do. That is my favorite. But uh, there was none available when I went to get some. I like polarized Mm-hmm. it's the best one they have the best flavors they do these like limited edition ones that are so good and then they do them only seasonally and then they never bring them back which i think is evil that's a fuckboy distribution plan yeah it really is yes. if i've ever heard one so uh but we'll save that for our seltzer podcast of course <laughs> yes, we'll save that for our seltzer podcast um for our crime podcast we are gonna talk about uh the murder family murders it's something that a lot of you guys have posted in our group, not another true crime group. We got a lot of DMs about it mm-hmm. um, on Insta, not another true crime. It's all over People Magazine. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. everywhere. Exactly. I was going to say it's kind of reminds me of like when SVU does rip from the headline. Oh, I episodes, mean, I'm I like, guess- <laughs> what are they going to do about this? I can't wait. Oh, you know, a Lucas Hedges lookalike is already casted. <laughs> right. I mean, sometimes I will literally see something that crazy that happens in the news, like the Epstein stuff. And I was like, damn, I can't wait to see what SVU does with this. Oh, wait, they, did you watch that? It was so good. No, but I remember a few years ago they had done an episode on like a pedophile uh, sex trafficking ring. Oh, yeah, they did so, one that was like literally the I feel same. Like they're, they're always like they ride the line of like predicting what's happening and then also doing those rip from the headlines ones. Yeah, they have a, they, they're, they're, they're balance over there. They, they keep yeah. themselves busy. It's like the Simpsons of true crime. Like I feel like some <laughs> things will happen and I'm like, SVU covered this like five years ago. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, with the times. Get with it. Get with the times. Well, I mean, this case is really interesting. I feel like there's a lot going on. So much more than I thought was happening was happening right? with this case. It is a can of worms. I mean, listen, I can't wait for the Netflix Tiger King-esque docu-series because we have prestige, influence, murder, Ooh. accidents, conspiracies, cover-ups. Like, it has it all. It really start to finish. Seriously. But before we get into what actually happened, we need some background on the Murdoch family because it is clutch. So and it's really like key to understanding everything that's going on here. Um, So they are a very prominent South Carolina family, particularly in the lowlands. And basically, it all started with the patriarch Randolph Murdoch Sr. He started a law firm in Hampton, South Carolina, that became a multimillion dollar practice. A name like that. There's no way your practice would not become multimillion. Oh, yeah. I think this was like right after World War One. But I mean, essentially, like they eventually grew. They had offices in three counties where they've employed family members for literal generations. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some fun facts about him. I feel like this just goes so far back mm-hmm. in terms of like being wealthy, connected, etc. Wealthy, white and Southern. Truly. I mean, this is like giving me Southern charm vibes like the TV show, <laughs> how they're all descended from like terrible, evil plantation mm-hmm. owners like and prominent people in South Carolina, but uh, or in Charleston. But in any case, um, so Randolph 
Murdoch Sr.'s grandmother was first cousins with Jefferson Davis, who was like the leader of the Confederacy. And also Randolph Sr. operated his own newspaper at one time called the Hampton County Herald, which gets tricky because he also, in addition to opening this multimillion dollar practice, he also served as the solicitor in the 14th Judicial Circuit starting in 1920. And basically solicitor in South Carolina is just like their prosecutor. And the 14th Circuit includes five counties, and it's actually the only judicial circuit in South Carolina to cover five counties. So it's pretty big. Um, And he had this job until 1940. And then after him, his son, Randolph Buster Jr., had the job for the next 46 years. Buster. And then right. And then his son, Randolph III, had it until 2006, um, which is crazy. Another fun fact about Buster is that his 46-year tenure as solicitor was the longest tenure of any prosecutor in the state. And also, he only ran opposed in his elections twice. No one's going to fuck with that. Yeah. Like, talk about <laughs> powerful. I also feel like what a position where it's just like, you know, once it's all in the family, so are the bribes in the family. Just saying. I mean, I want to see a season of succession on these people for Ooh. sure. Like, this is it. Yes. This is it. Um. So then also Randolph III tried over 200 murder cases in his career. He even won two convictions in the same week. And in 2018, Randolph III earned the Order of the Palmetto, which was the highest civilian honor in the state of South Carolina. And he also ran unopposed in all of his five elections. And I mean, sheesh, talk about a big deal. And then also this this firm, this family firm was established by the Randolph, the most senior. Um, and the firm is Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Eltsroth and Dietrich, P.A. Sheesh, what a name. What a name. And just like our Jewish lawyers to shame over here. You got fucking five names on this pitch. <laughs> and that's truly they have a country club. They have a right? golf league. It's no Goldberg and Goldberg Esquire. <laughs> we got Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Eltsroth, Dietrich. I can't even say it. But yeah, so they th- this firm employed four generations of Murdoch's who practice law there. And I think it's really interesting to have people doing their own private practice. And then also like some of the family, literally like the, the prosecutor. Yeah. Interesting uh, overlaps. Yeah. So this family is like rich and white as hell. Where's <laughs> the official notes? And so how this all trickles down is that Alex is Randolph, the third son. And he is also or was when I was doing this research, really not sure what's happening now, but he's a part time prosecutor and also a personal injury attorney with the family firm, which, again, I'm like, how is that allowed? Do you know what I mean? And also, some, I don't know why personal injury attorney just always makes me laugh. Oh, I mean, I think they just seem like the most scammy of attorneys. Yeah, no I'm shade sorry. if you are one. But I mean, I, I just feel like the person <laughs> like I worked, I did an internship for like he was like an attorney, but he was sort of like a catch all attorney. And it was like personal injury, like apostille notary, just like, oh, <laughs> just like a general store attorney. Uh, you it was, know what? It was weird. He was a bodega. Yeah, he was getting those checks cleared no he matter what you a bodega have yeah. of an attorney. And he was also kind of creepy. But that was oh, my intern experience. Well, how lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, I mean, besides the fact that this family is sort of just uh, like Sarah said, well known down south that is not why they are in the news right now um what happened and i'm sure it was did it did this story break uh on the seventh like a, um, so last a, a few mondays ago i think it's i think it kicked off the week um the mur- this happened in june june oh june okay yes uh the murder of uh, maggie and paul murdoch so a little bit about them born maggie kennedy ranstetter what a name. This is just love it. This I is, feel like, again, I'm like, these are just elite. Like, like our names. credit score better go up after saying these names. You know I, what I mean? Like, I feel like something has to there has to be a cause and effect here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she attended USC, not the Olivia Jade one, University of South Carolina in <laughs> the 80s. And that is where she met Alexander Murdoch in college. Alex was the son of Randolph the third. They wound up having the two sons, Buster. <laughs> and Paul again with the Buster. Seri- okay, we need like Arrested Development True. succession. Lee, they're really. I mean, this is not humorous, so I don't know that Arrested Development would work, but I'm still getting that vibe. 
I'm getting the vibe too. I also, there has, there's always an inherent humor in someone naming someone Buster. <laughs> I don't know. Someone who's not a dog. I want to do the etymology. That's the study of words, right? And etymology. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, because I know one is a study of bugs. I was like, I want to do that on the word, on the name Buster. <laughs> do it. So, uh, but <clears throat> I'll do that later. Because uh, right now I want to tell you on June 7th, Maggie and their 22-year-old son, Paul, uh, were shot to death on the family's seven, uh, 1,770-acre ground. That's a lot of grounds home to the Huge. Huge. Paul, um, the reports came back, was killed with two shotgun blasts, while Maggie was killed with a semi-automatic rifle. Uh, Which I I was listening to. There's a really good podcast. If you guys want to learn more about this, it's called The Murdoch Murders. And it's by... um, Basically, I forgot her name, but it's the journalist from Fitz News, which is a local publication in South Carolina, who we really was like covering this really in depth from the beginning. Um, I mean, a lot of our notes are also taken from her articles, mm-hmm. so and it's I, really good. But anyway, she was basically saying that it's pretty unusual to have two separate murder weapons. That it very weird because also that shows that the person they either it was multiple people or it was someone had double hands full. We're all today. Yeah. Yeah. And we always say support your local news because uh, they have the most information and they do the Lord's work. So uh, per the New York Post, uh, they were found on June 7th, around 10 p.m. by Alex. Uh, he almost immediately called 911 and reached dispatch at 10.07 p.m. So I guess you could call that immediately. Just probably a few minutes of shock. The dispatcher said that he was, quote unquote, very upset, which is not. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I listened to the call. You can hear it. I, it was made available publicly. Um, I, I listened to it on the podcast or like yeah. portions of it. Portions have been redacted. But I mean, he does sound very distraught. Yeah, I mean, yes. No Patsy Ramsey. I'll say that. No. Much. And there is that. Uh, when asked if anyone was supposed to be at the residence, Alex said no. He also said that he didn't see anyone there or notice anything seeming out of place. My thing with that is I'm like, how can you tell on like an over a thousand, almost a 2000? Yeah, I mean, the call was long and he's kind of like walking around the yeah. property. You can sort of tell because they were found by the, the dog kennels and you can hear the dogs barking and then certain parts you can't. Um, and and the, the dispatcher was basically just asking him, like, was anyone else supposed to be there? He goes, no. Did you yeah. see anyone there? He goes, no. So it's not really like. He's not like coming up with these thoughts on his own, oh, no, if that exactly. makes sense. Yeah, he's being, he's being uh, asked. Questioned. Yeah. Uh, question, not in a, just in a way of. Uh, yeah, exactly. Question. <clears throat> they were found on the ground uh, in front of the dog kennels. Uh, their estimated time of death was around 9 or 9.30 p.m. So Alex found them a half hour after. A Chevy Suburban at the scene was impounded. The vehicle was registered to the law firm. Interesting. Their death. Like a bit of a red herring. Yeah, a little. Huh. What was the one where there was like the white Jeep on the farm that made people. I forget what case we did, but I remember there was like a white car. That was something with the brother, right? Yes. Ugh, what was that one? Oh my God. I don't remember, but I, th- I don't remember either. It was the grandma's car. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But besides that, <laughs> uh, so their deaths were almost uh, obviously ruled a double homicide. And after the news broke, though, the police said that the public was not in danger. Uh, and mm. a, which is an interesting kind of just, I don't know. If, I mean, it's both interesting, but also I feel it's interesting because it's like you have a killer on the loose somewhere, so, but yeah. the police were pretty quick to assure the public that the public was not in danger. So then it just raises questions of like, what it, was it going on? It, it makes it seem like the police kind of almost automatically feel this was um, a targeted attack and not just a attack attack well part yeah part of that is because Mm -hmm. of their schedule yeah according to the murder murders podcast the family had a bunch of homes and were kind of bopping all over paul was in and out of columbia and charleston maggie was at a beach house so it would have been hard to ambush them since they did not totally have a set routine because you know when you just have so many homes it's hard to (laughs) oh yes a a thing i relate to i'm like very closely I barely have doors in my studio apartment. So there's that. <laughs> uh, Maggie's phone was later found on the road outside of the property. And Paul's phone was found near his body. So that's interesting. That is interesting. And what's also interesting oh. is. Um, this is how this is a Russian nesting doll. 
of a yeah. case because there's cases within the cases. Yeah, it, it just like doesn't end. So what's interesting about Paul is that he was involved in a boating accident in 2019 that ended up killing someone he knew. This is February 24th, 2019. I was like, this story made headlines too. I like this was it a, did, yeah. yeah. This is why this this double homicide is like in the news so much. I feel like front page and stuff because I mean, I, I feel like there are prominent families, so like whatever they do would people would care about. And mm-hmm. then on top of this, there's all this like tragedy and and death that's kind of surrounding them yeah yeah so on february 24th 2019 paul was allegedly driving his family's boat drunk he crashed into a bridge piling killing a 19 year old girl named mallory beach so paul was 20 at the time and according to depositions he was in a group of six underage people who bought alcohol with fake ids at a gas station um video footage Captured him picking up a six pack of Michelob Ultra, a 12 pack of White Claw, a 15 pack of Natty Light, some Marlboros, some gum. And when he was asked for an ID, he showed his brother's ID. Then the clerk kind of, you know, gave it a little glance, but ultimately accepted it and said, y'all be careful tonight. Y'all be careful. Tonight. And thank you. I'll be here all week with my. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I was reading that, I was like, Sarah, you just put your grocery order. <laughs> You're like, I got some Ecola Ultra, a white claw. I mean, seriously, my grocery list. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Except- I'm not buying a rack of Natty Light. Thank you. I have some, <laughs> some you know, self-respect. Elegance. But I'm also not 20 years old. <laughs> Fair. Counterpoint. Uh, so then they drove to a $1.45 million Murdoch family river house on Chichesi Creek. Hope I nailed that. Here we go. Chichesi Creek. I wait. I actually think it's Dawson's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Dawson's Creek. There we fucking go. Yes. So it's Chichesi. Oh my God. God. If it's Dawson's Creek. Um, so then they got on the boat to go to an oyster roast <laughs> that is correct, on Pocky Island, which you was hosted by some family friends. <laughs> Apparently the group was already acting a little drunk at this point. Some of the adults were worried that they were driving a boat when they were drunk. Yeah. A little, little tipsy. Um, but, Everybody you know, rich kids and tipsy. being told no, because that didn't stop them. Play that Frank Ocean song, Rich Kids or whatever. <laughs> yes. Um, hours later, the group was spotted in a bar downtown around 1 a.m. They ordered shots of Jaeger and lemon oh. drops. Oh. oh, gross. This is how you know they're 20 years old. Literally. I mean, I like a lemon drop. I actually if I'm having a shot, I'll do a lemon drop. Yeah. Don't give me a shot of Jaeger. Jaeger. No, I haven't done a shot of Jaeger since like literally sophomore year of college. Literally. Yeah. So, I mean, safe to assume they're all pretty loose at this point. Paul in particular was like pretty drunk and I'll, and I'll get into his drunk, his drunk alter ego in a little bit because it's really interesting. So they're drunk. Uh, After the shots, they go back into the boat to drive back to the Murdoch house. Um, apparently the boat didn't have working lights and they were using a flashlight to see where they were going, which is not good. No, for a boat, you're using a flashlight. That yeah, does not, I don't think yeah. that even does anything. Ooh, another vibe I'm getting from this case is um, where the crawdads sing. I know that's North Carolina, but there's a Ooh. lot of just like driving around in boats to get to places. And there's also a murder alleged. This is it's true. good. No spoilers, but it's a good book anyway. <laughs> So during the drive home, Anthony Cook, who is Mallory's boyfriend and also one of Paul's childhood friends, testified that Paul and Mallory got into an argument. So apparently, like, again, Paul was drunk. He was driving the boat in circles because he thought it was funny. And then Mallory was just not having it. Um, After that, Paul's girlfriend tried to talk some sense into him and he started yelling at her. Then he shoved her and spit on her to which she allegedly said, what are you going to hit me like you have all those times before? And then he took this as a challenge and slapped her. So this was not a good situation. Not at all. No, not at all. On top of that, Paul was driving so fast, which he was driving around 29 miles an hour, which is very fast for a boat, even though it doesn't sound like it. But like a boat. Also, you're not in the fucking like Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
yeah, he was driving like so fast and erratically that everybody got scared. And at one point, right before they crashed, Anthony took Mallory into his lap and he like sat with her on the bottom of the boat. Um, but Paul crashed into this bridge thing and Mallory, a bunch of people were thrown from the boat. Um, Mallory was thrown from the boat. Anthony, I think one, maybe one other person. I'm not sure. But Anthony resurfaced. Mallory did not. Connor and Paul's girlfriends were severely injured and then taken to the hospital. And then Anthony dislocated his shoulder, but he stayed on the scene. Um, This is a good time to talk about Paul's alter ego. His alter ego. Drunk alter ego. So um, because I think his alter ego is in effect. According to the New York Post, Paul had a dark side that would come out when he drank. We all, I mean, I feel like we all have a drunk alter ego and you name it and it's fun. His was called Timmy. Timmy. Timmy's a scary name for a drunk alter ego. Yeah, I don't like that. It sounds like Chucky. You're right. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, I'm like, what are my friends drunk alter ego? It's like Tequila Katie and like. (laughs) (laughs) What are my friends? Katie Maloney Schwartz's alter ego. Yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking of a random example, but like, you know what I mean? Not like a full, like an actual like child's name, Timmy. Yeah. Um, but Timmy apparently would surface as far back as 2015, which is when Paul would have been 16. Um, Timmy was apparently known for stripping down to his boxers. And Anthony said that Paul would turn into a completely different person when he would get to this point. And they would like they would know. I mean, you know, when your friend gets blackout, like you can just see it in their eyes like they would know and they'd be like, oh, oh, Timmy's here. You can see it in the fact that they don't have eyes like those <laughs> the eyes are just glossed over. Yeah. Anthony also testified that on the night Mallory died, Paul stripped down to his boxers, even though it was 40 degrees. Hmm. Now, other boaters said that Paul refused to let anyone else drive, even as he got more drunk. And I feel like there was a fight as he was getting more angry, as he was driving the boat faster. They wanted to let somebody else drive. He was refusing. And then it later came out that Paul was allegedly throwing chairs and trying to start a fight at the bar where they got the shots. So he was just... In in a place. In a dark, in a, I don't even know a place. Yeah. In a place. And even more, I don't know, eyebrow raising um, is that the reason they even drove a boat in the first place and not a car, since it was kind of cold out that night, was because they'd heard that there were alcohol checkpoints on the road. So it's like <sighs> they kind of maybe knew that they were going to be drinking and driving. Like, that's not a good, no. And also, if you're so, like, they could, you're rich enough to show for a car. You know what I mean, too? Yep, yep. For your underage drinking escapades. Recently, though, dash cam footage from the crash scene was released, which shows Anthony, who uh, we said is Mallory's boyfriend, yelling at Paul. Um, This is per People magazine. When Paul allegedly smiled at Anthony, Anthony erupted screaming, you fucking smiling like it's fucking funny. My fucking girlfriend's gone. And after he said this, of course, a week later, Mallory's body was found five miles away. So... She did not surface. The coroner later de- the coroner later declared that she died of blunt force trauma and drowning, which tracks with the incident. Uh, court documents also show that Alex Murdaugh, Paul's dad, allegedly prevented police from interviewing Paul on the night of the crash. According to People magazine, magazine don't sue me, sue them. Oh, oh please, Murdaugh. I mean, do, I know y'all busy right now, but please do not sue us. We cannot handle the, the uh, legacy. Buster's legacy coming at us. Buster. My God. Love to testify against a Buster. Oh, hit us up with it. And kind of what we were mentioning at the beginning, how this family had such a legacy in town and especially uh, when it comes to like a legal aspect of it. Two of the responding deputies to the crash had quote unquote ties to the Murdoch family's law firm, according to Fitz News. So not totally Sure that, but I think we can connect what some dots could mean about that. <laughs> they uh, would be maybe on their side, maybe, you know, just putting that out there. Paul was also not giving a field sobriety test on the night of the crash, which I feel should be standard for uh, <laughs> boating accidents. So this is like a whole thing, and we're going to get into it because, as we mentioned, there's a conspiracy involved. So just keep that in the back of your head. But essentially, allegedly... They were maybe trying to shift the blame onto someone else for driving the boat mm-hmm. that night. So 
uh, shocking spoiler alert. They were trying to protect the rich white kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, his blood was, of course, tested when he got to the hospital because that's just a, 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 a hospital is going to hospital. Uh, the South Carolina Department of Well, National- actually, sorry to be a know-it-all, but it's interesting because they didn't they didn't order the hospital to take his blood, mm. but the hospital did it anyway because he was acting so erratically that they were worried he had a head injury. That makes sense. So it was kind of like not it was. Yeah, it was sort of luck that they ended up taking his blood well, to test. It was, his it, BAC. Was, it was a doctor, one person doing their job being like, we need to see what is wrong with this child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources released the blood alcohol content, which was allegedly 0.286% at the time of the crash. Yeah, that's a lot. Which, of course, that's categorized as severe intoxication. We all know. 0.08% is the legal yeah. driving limit. So that's, so that's like over three times in the limit. That's a full blackout. That's, I mean, sounds like he was blacked yeah. out. Uh, Paul was charged with one felony count of boating under the influence, a BWI, I guess, uh, a BUI, <laughs> and uh, two counts of boating under the influence causing injury. Injury. All right. Uh, the first charge could come. No, with- I'm like, that seems not harsh enough of a no! word to describe what happened. Someone died. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so the first charge could come with up to 25 years in prison, minimum one year, and up to 15. Uh, and the other charges could be 15 years in prison, minimum 30 days. <laughs> so he. So he ah. would have probably gotten anywhere from like a year and some change to. Many years. Meant to 40. Yeah. He not surprisingly pled not guilty and was awaiting trial, but the trial never trialed because it, it, he was killed, like we said. So this one starts to get a little more interesting. Mallory's mom also uh, filed a civil suit against, well, I know she first wanted to file the suit against the bar, the grocery yeah, store. She filed it against the gas station. Yeah. And she filed it against uh, Randolph the Third, who was Paul's grandpa. Yeah, as and well Alex as and Alex and Buster. <clears throat> um, with her suit, it alleged that uh, Buster let Paul use his ID to buy alcohol. The suit, like we said, also named the gas station because they sold alcohol to a minor. And the suit also named the family friends that hosted the oyster roast, but their names were removed later because I guess you can't just have every single person on a lawsuit. <laughs> a hearing was scheduled for June 10th, but was postponed. Randolph III died of cancer uh, three days after. On that Paul, day. On that day, yeah. yeah. So it was postponed with that. He died of cancer. And then three days later, Paul and Maggie were murdered. Alex. He died after the murder. After the murder. So I think that's why they postponed the hearing was because, like, everyone was dead. Half the people were dead in this So suit. what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Who's, who goes to? The poor grocery store guy <laughs> or gas station guy. Who, I mean, I don't, I, I, he should not get blamed. I, it's okay. But I mean, that's a different thing. <laughs> uh, Alex's insurance company refused to cover them in the case and was suing them, uh, even though it this was- This is still like an ongoing thing. There's yeah. like a dispute with the insurance company. And like we were saying, it was a civil case, but it made like national headlines everywhere. And um, the local news called it one of the highest profile civil cases South Carolina has ever seen. And I mean, it's like truly getting, major news outlets have been reporting on this, even- reporting on it since 2019 uh on august 9th this was oh yeah on august 9th 2021 the criminal charges like two days ago what's today yesterday you literally like three days ago uh the criminal charges against paul were dropped uh they really just because like how are you how are you gonna try a dead person not to clear his name but just because they bitch can't yeah yeah however authorities are still looking into the obstruction of justice charges going So this month, one of the passengers on the boat, Connor Cook, filed a petition alleging that law enforcement officers conspired against him before Paul was charged. Again, this is mostly coming from the Murdoch Murders podcast, Live 5 News. But basically, the suit or this petition accuses three officers of falsifying their reports to kind of like, what's the word, direct attention away from Paul. So those officers were Austin Pritchard, Michael Brock, and John Keener. So uh, Brock is from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. 
And now he works with the state law enforcement division, which you might hear us refer to as SLED, or you uh, maybe you've seen that. That's what it means. And then Keener is from the Buford County Sheriff's Office. My good old Buford. <laughs> Buford. Not spelled the way it sounds at all. That was confusing to me. Well, it's, it's like, uh, I guess it's maybe it's French in nature. I know. And then it's like they fucking butcher it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh, without it. Buford. I mean, whatever. Okay. We're Americans that's at the that's end not of the, day. the that's not the the important part. He also in the petition, he wants to depose Robin Camelin of the SCDNR and Andrew Crap from the Buford County Sheriff's Office. Um, the petition says the officers may may know about a conspiracy, quote, to cloud the investigatory issues and disseminate false information in the community with the intention of misleading law enforcement and prosecution, charging parties and the public into wrongly and falsely believing Connor Cook should be arrested and charged as the boat operator. Mm. So, like I said earlier, um, they're alleging that there was a type of conspiracy to try to pin this on Connor for driving the boat. This is basically because, number one, only Connor was given a field sobriety test and also, only one officer wrote in his report that Paul was driving the boat, even though Anthony clearly told them that Paul was driving. Although it is maybe important to note that Michael Brock, who was the lead investigator, wrote in his report that he instructed that guy Pritchard to give a field sobriety test to Connor and Paul. Mm. Not clear why that didn't happen. Or like him checking um, up on it. Yeah. Right. So and this all kind of really came to a head recently, like I think in the past two days. Because That's li- truly yeah, because I thought I was all caught up. I was like, all right, good. And then I checked the Murdoch Murders podcast feed and I was like, God damn it, there's another episode. She had even done an outro at the end of the episode that was like, this is really tough. I need a break for mental health. And then she was like, and we're back because that's that that just sums up when everyone's like, I, I think I need to prioritize my mental health. Oh, wait, reality's here now. And now I can't. I know that's <laughs> happens to me with work. And it's like, I need to take a social media break. And Kylie Jenner's pregnant or something oh, like that. Mm-hmm. And people think she is now again. I know. But what happened here was basically that they finally responded to a Fitz News Freedom of Information Act request. So they released the dash cam footage and basically chose that Anthony was really clear with officers about who was driving the mm-hmm. boat in the audio, which, again, you can hear on the podcast. Anthony is like losing it and really distraught, Yeah, which is fair. Yeah, you can hear him say to the sheriff's deputy, I think this was Domino. His last name was Domino. He goes, y'all know Alec Murdaugh. That's his son. Good luck. And then he goes, the deputy goes, well, it don't matter who you know. So that was interesting. That's kind of hot. Kind of hot. So but nothing really happened from it. So but not really. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, it might matter who you know. So <laughs> yeah, spoiler kids. Yeah. So Pritchard wrote that Anthony did not know who was driving. And he wrote that other officers who arrived on the scene before him thought it was Connor or Paul. But there's no evidence of witnesses telling law enforcement that Connor was driving. I will just say as a disclaimer, may have gotten mixed up, which officer put forth this theory that two people were driving. But in any case, an officer did. Somebody did it. Domino was the only deputy who identified Paul as a driver in his report. Um, so Pritchard wrote Anthony didn't know Keener wrote it was unclear. Um, and Keener was one who had connections to the family, too. Yes. Keener had recently had the Murdoch family defend his fam or the, the firm defend his family in a two and a half million dollar lawsuit. Hmm. Um, and then also like one of them admitted in their deposition that this whole like two driver theory was just their personal assessment. It wasn't like someone had not told that to them. I'm like, this is not the time to like theorize on that. You know what I mean? This isn't like a cold, you know what I mean? Like it's not, you're looking for like a uh, missing person. We have to, I mean, you're supposed theories. to be gathering the statements. Like yeah. you're not supposed to be putting forth theories in your, I mean, whatever <laughs> it's I'm getting not. statements, not improv. Calm down. Not improv. So yeah. And then um, the dash cam footage also doesn't indicate that he ever questioned anyone else on the boat about who was driving. Uh-huh. Then also, the depositions allege that pieces of evidence went missing, like mm-hmm. Paul's phone and DNA swabs from the boat, pictures of the DNA processing. That's those like all the evidence. Yes. I mean, those things could have proven where Connor was on the boat because like, I think he was bleeding. There was like blood at the time of the crash. Also missing Paul's pants, which maybe had his wallet, his ID, fake ID. 
And also apparently an audio recording of Anthony telling Michael Brock that Paul killed Mallory. There also was basically one of the officers wrote in their report that like. Anthony was going off on Paul, but they didn't write why. And the reason why was because of that quote we read earlier when he was like, you fucking killed her. So it's like they had they were told that Paul was driving the boat and allegedly like according to this petition, they were like, oh, but maybe it's yes, poor Connor guy. They're like, I don't know. This bleeding person who looks scared maybe was driving the boat, not the blackout person with no box with no pants on. No pants. Yeah. So um, three weeks after the crash, the Beaufort County Sheriff's Department finally recused itself because of their like connections with the Murdoch's oh Murdoch's. And um, it ended up taking two months for Paul to be charged with his felony counts. And um, Paul never like spent time in jail, well, like even though, you know, he was like awaiting trial for felonies and everything. Um, and the three officers accused of falsifying reports. Brock Keener Pritchard still have their jobs. Great. And Domino, who was the one guy who wrote that Paul was the driver of the boat, was fired from the sheriff's Ugh. office in July 2020 for, quote, unlawful use of a controlled substance and quote, and also, quote, making false or misleading statements to a law enforcement agency, unquote. However, he was never charged for either of those like alleged. I'm calling BS fractions. I'm calling. But you also, you know, some of the best cops or detectives on crime shows, they have a little substance abuse going on. So who knows? Maybe he was oh, guy. my God. <laughs> it's like Baptiste. And all these, all the, all the, all the oh BBC crime shows I watch, they got shit going on, but they always find the killer. They're always, uh, they're, they're living on the edge. They break all the rules, but they're so good. They get away with it. Somehow, somehow. But this is not a crime show. It's this not is a crime real life. Show. So Domino is now unemployed. Well, I but, don't know what he's up to, but like. <laughs> that is true. He's probably, not employed at the Beaufort County Sheriff's Office. Who knows, who knows where he is. Or whatever. But this also brings the, because that's what Sarah was saying. There's so many layers to this. There is still the question of who killed Maggie and Paul, which basically is, we don't fucking know. We don't know. So uh, and whoever did this, this is the reason why the trial never happened. Everything is happening. So cops reportedly said that Alex was a POI, a person of interest early on. Check you out. Look at <laughs> the that. abbreviation. We're but experts now said he was not uh, because he supposedly gave police an ironclad alibi. According to his family, he was visiting his dying father in the hospital when Maggie and Paul were killed. Uh, initially, well, this is what uh, initially the family, like the police, said there was no risk to the public and there was no reward being offered or anything, which is kind of interesting to me because if you're a family so rich, I don't know, I would want to put out. Well, a- it seemed like initially they weren't like scared. Yeah, but just a reward for information. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But then it changed after they went on Good Morning America. Yes. So two of Alex's brothers went on GMA to ask the public's help in finding the killer. So back to how this is connected, this entire family is. As of June 19th, 2021, Alex was the part-time DA for the district and still had not recused himself in his own family's double homicide, which is, I think, just a conflict. I feel like just the definition of a conflict of interest. If that's not one, then nothing is. <laughs> then I don't even then I I, then like, I I don't even know what could be. This is not an action movie where like you're investigating the murder of your wife and like avenging her death. You know, yeah, like this truly. is real. <laughs> so uh, John Marvin Murdoch, one of Paul's uncles, told GMA in Ju- this June, uh, the family had been getting threats before the Dumba homicide, but he or they didn't think they were credible. The uncles claimed Paul and Maggie had no known enemies. I don't. I mean, I just feel like that's not true. I was gonna say that. It, it, well, Maggie to, seems really innocent in all this. I mean, so far I haven't seen anything about nothing. her, but, but I, mean, I can think of. I mean, it's whatever. You know, I we've been talking about him for less than an hour, and I can already think of like fifty-five people. I feel like that could be an enemy of Paul. That are mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they also denied the family used their connections to protect Paul from legal consequences. Sure, Jan. They have really, there's no leads or information released, uh, but it's an open investigation. So it's not like they're really going to like give us. They're not going to do that. Like, yeah. yeah. 
but the nine the nine one one call, uh, like Sarah said, was recently uh, released with a lot of portions redacted. And according to the Murdoch Murders podcast, there was info released that another person was at the crime scene at the time of the murders. Hmm. People thought it was Buster, but uh, Fitz News confirmed that he was in the Rock Hill, Charlotte area at the time of the murder. So. As Shaggy would say, it wasn't me. It wasn't. Oh my God, I knew you were going to do that because I was going to do it too. (laughs) Yes, we are synced. Uh, Now the family that was offering a 100K reward, uh, there is a deadline. Uh, I guess this is now like a a, a writing job. Uh, There's a deadline. Tips must be submitted by September 30th. That's that. Let's read the tip line real quick. SLED has established a 24-hour tip line. It's 8.03. 869 2605. Uh, 803 896 2605. Oh, fuck. I was literally like trying to, I like my brain completely blanked where I was reading the numbers, but then I couldn't internalize in my head like how to say that number. <laughs> it's hard. I can still say Soldier Boy so well, though. Soldier Boy. So that's how I'm doing. But I mean, if you guys can believe it, there's even more going on with this family. A lot of more. So much shit going on because in 2019, Alex had settled another wrongful death suit. Remember, like he's being sued by Mallory Beach's mother. So in 2019, he settled another one. This time it was a result of a 57 year old woman named Gloria Satterfield who died after a trip and fall. (laughs) And her family ended up settling for five hundred thousand dollars. The thing is, it's not clear where she died, but she may have worked for the family her obituary mentions the Murdaws. It lists basically like, you know, as an obit does, like the relative she survived by as well as, quote, though she loved as her family, Alec and Maggie Murdaw and their family, Randolph and Libby Murdaw. Um, this also tracks with some local reports that said she was a housekeeper for the family. And really interestingly, I mean, this was the second time in two years the Murdaws had asked their insurance company to cover a death claim. The other one with Mallory and insurance said no. Interesting. Now, here's where we get into, like, even more conspiracy town. Oh, yeah, this one. Mm -hmm. This is like local chatter kind of status. And like, to be totally clear, there's no proof the family was involved in this. But when this death gets brought up, the family name also gets brought up. So with that in mind, here we go. Here. Here we are. This is now tea time, not fact time, I guess. you could. Yeah, this is like. I mean, listen, I read this in the New York Post article, so I, say, I feel this, this is fair game. Yeah, in this case, always it's on whenever I read timelines about this story, this case is included as well. Yeah. So in 2015, a 19-year-old gay man by the name of Stephen Smith was found dead in a rural road outside of town. His shoulder was dislocated. There was a huge hole in his forehead. And interestingly, investigators said that he was the victim of a hit and run. But according to the state, which is like a publication, not the state of South Carolina. Police reports showed no evidence of a hit and run, no evidence that a hit and run took place. There was also like no debris, no skid marks, like nothing. Um, And again, I just want to say, even though people on social media might link the Murdoch's to this, there is no evidence connecting them. Stephen's mother told the New York Post that she's still fighting to find out what happened to Stephen. And the Post reviewed a huge case file about this. So... Again, go to them. Don't come to me. (laughs) Cool. Now that we're all friends here, um, documents from the South Carolina Highway Patrol said police got at least one one anonymous tip that connected a member of the Murdoch family to the case. And also Todd Proctor, a former South Carolina Highway Patrol detective, talked to the New York Post and mentioned that he had investigated a death that, as the Post said, he believes may be connected to the Murdoch family. I think that it's this case. I would assume that as well. And again, although the post notes that none of the family was ever charged or considered a formal suspect, there's whispers. And also this one former South Carolina highway patrol man thinks that they're involved. Um, That's kind of the end of that. A lot going on. If you followed all that props props, it, it truly is like a homeland level. It's just, there's 900 moving parts happening. And it's a weird thing where I feel like before more answers come out, there's going to be more things happening with more questions. You know what I mean? Yes. I am really interested to see. I am too. I do. I feel like most people will agree that they were targeted. Uh, (laughs) I mean, like 
one. Yeah. Nine, that, that is my opinion. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like nine, nine point nine, 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 nine. It's like Purell washing off your germs. That's the I just, percentage. I don't think this was a random murder. No. I don't think that this was like a burglary gone wrong. No, because or, or anything like that. I mean, who yeah. brings an assault rifle? And a shotgun is also a weird weapon to bring to a burglary, right? It's really messy. It's very messy. And also, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how shotgun, I feel like, but like, you need to like. It's like, you, That's the thing. You know, the. I feel like you almost know the land too then of like where you are to like prop and sit down. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Obviously, I don't know who I think did it because I didn't go on to Reddit yet. Um, <laughs> that will be this evening's activities. all very interesting and some crazy shit I feel is going to come out. So I will be keeping my eye to the news. Keeping our eyes glued. And until then, we got to end it with a game. This case has to be one of my favorites we've covered. It's so crazy. I can't. I really like I need to watch a Netflix documentary about it. Why aren't we (laughs) making that right now? Or HBO. Eh, HBO would do a better job. Sorry, Netflix. Netflix would have like three episodes on like the history of South Carolina, and you know yeah. that they fucking would. Oh yeah, I don't. The, 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 like uh, any name that we cut out, there would be a full episode about them because we'd be like, I don't think yeah. this person's important. She's gonna be talking. Yeah, we have now. a whole episode on Buster. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> so today's game, since we just covered a very famous, powerful family, we're gonna be playing a game called the surname game. Oh, okay. So this is how it's going to work. I'm going to give you the names of three members of a famous family. Oh. And it's going to be your job to tell me which famous family. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that. It's going to be quick fire. And just uh, the first one is just an example. The first one, easy one. Brittany, Jamie, Jamie, Lynn. Spears. Spears. Exactly. So that's how it's going to work. So we shout it out. Okay. Shout it out. It's going to be alternating. Make me want to shout. Danny, you will go first. And these do get harder as we go along. We have 20 of them. Oh, God. Okay. So we'll be here a while. Get ready. And if you take more than a few seconds, you're not going to get the point. So okay. quick fire. All right. Are you ready? Um, yeah, I'm ready. All right, Danny, Bart, Homer, Marge. Oh, uh, Simpsons. Correct. <laughs> Theodore, Franklin, Eleanor. Roosevelt? Sorry, that was that oh. was supposed to be for Sarah. Okay. Oh. You you got that one. You, you got that one, right? All right. So now it's Danny. So we okay, alternate. Okay. All right. Okay. Conrad, Paris, Nikki. Hilton? That is correct. Fred, Wilma, Pebbles. <laughs> Flintstone? That is correct. <laughs> Danny, Bill. Hillary, Chelsea, Clinton. Yes. Sarah, Gomez, Morticia, Wednesday. Adams. Yep. Okay. Danny, Alex, Stefan, Billy. Oh, Baldwin. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Talk about murders. And I'm just kidding, kidding. Alleged. <laughs> Sarah, Michael, Buster, George. Bluth. That is correct. Yes. Sa- uh, Danny, John, Robert, Ted. Uh, oh, uh, Kennedy. That is correct. Well oh my done. God. I was like, Lasso. I, I literally said, but I almost going to say Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peyton, Eli, Archie. Manning. Wow. Good get. All right. Next up. Walter, Skyler, Holly. Oh, is this the Breaking Bad people? Whites. That is correct. Danny. Well oh, done. Oh, shit. Good one. Sarah, Vito, Michael, Fredo. I don't know. Danny. No. The correct answer was Corleone from The Godfather. Oh, my God. Uh, Forget it. (laughs) All right. uh, Danny, Lou, Betty, Cindy. Oh, who? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. All right. Sarah, Lily, James, Harry. Potter. Correct. Danny, Tony, Carmela, Meadow. Sopranos. Well done. Sarah. Francis, Roman, Sophia. Coppola? That is correct. Oh, Love gosh. their wines. That was a guess. <laughs> I was like, I think it's Coppola. No. <laughs> All right. Sarah, Todd, Bristol, Trigg. 
Oh God, Palin. That is correct. Let me go vomit. <laughs> Sarah, Bob, Linda, Tina. Oh, Turner. No, Belcher. That is correct. Oh Annie. my God. <laughs> It's really hard to think of who's real and who's fictional. No, I keep on just wanting to say, like, I'm waiting for, like, the royal family, too. So I'm just, like, panicking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last up, Danny. Gianni Donatella Allegra. Versace. Correct. Um, well done. Boom. And today's winner is Danny. Well done. You have Woo. won the surname game. Oh, oof, that was a rush. That was tough. That is like they you need to sell because I feel like I've that is, I've never had that as a trivia round. You need to sell that to like geeks who drink or something. That's a good one, right? Yeah. It's, good game. it's a fun one. Well, that was fun. Thanks for playing. I know. Yeah, thank you, Jorge. That was a, a quick, quick and fun game. It was quick and fun. Unlike that, that, that was a there was an easier start to finish than this case that will never end. Seriously. So we will see. Unlike this case, which was convoluted and long. Yes, but very interesting. I, I'm I'm going to be very interested to see what further developments pop up. Definitely wow. going to I'm, I'm subscribed to the Murder on Murders podcast, mm-hmm. so it's going to be good. And we want to know any person who maybe lives nearby them in the Facebook group. I'm excited to see oh. any local take. You know what I mean? So make sure you're a part of CBS. not another true crime group. I love I love the coffee talk around town. I do love when you guys will message us about like local things happening near you. I feel like we've had a few. I've also we've also had so many people DM us um, and not know their true crime and be like, oh, my aunt like had an encounter with Ted Bundy or like this person I know went to school with like this serial killer. Really interesting. Yeah. And and I also love to when some people are like, I just hate my friend. And I'm like, OK, you can write that in. We won't cover yeah. it on the podcast, but get it out. Get it out of your system. <laughs> so not another true Unless crime on Instagram. Is like Jody Arias. Yeah. But like <laughs> other than that, <laughs> then we could talk about it. Other than that, we're like, we commiserate. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the DMs, of course. Always. Yeah. So, yeah, join the group. Follow us on Insta. I think we covered all the bases. A little bit of everything, yeah. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. But other than that, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. You can follow me at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K. And as always, we thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.